Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for letting me be here. And as Jared said, we're going to kick off a series that you guys will be in over the course of the next four weeks called Into the Wild. And we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, which is at times uh, a confusing thing uh, in the life of a Christian. What is the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to have the Holy Spirit? And so we'll unpack some of those things with you uh, in the course of this series. But I want to start with a story that I think will help us give us sort of a definition for the Holy Spirit that we can kind of work with as we spend some time together this morning. So stories about a little boy and he loves flying a kite. It's like one of his favorite things to do. Obviously he doesn't live in Arizona in the summer. And so one day he's in his house and in his room and he looks out the window and he sees that there's this strong wind and he thinks to himself, this is the perfect chance. I'm going to go outside and fly my kite. So he runs outside, says, hey, mom, I'm going across the street. They live right by a park. And so he goes across the street, gets his kite out, and it's such a strong wind that the wind immediately sort of picks up his kite and carries it further and further and further and higher and higher into the sky. And he's flying it. And it's almost to the point where you can't even see it anymore. It's, it's so far away. It's so up high in the sky. And, and so a man walks by, he's walking his dog, and he notices the little boy with his, you know, the bottom of the kite. And he says, gosh, how do you even know that it's there? And the little boy says, well, I can feel it. I can feel it. And so I know it's there. And I, I like that just sweet little illustration because I think that's the case with the Holy Spirit, that we can't see the Holy Spirit, and yet we, we can sense it. We can feel it. And I think that leads us to a helpful definition that I want to kind of give you as we work through. So it should come up on the screen. You guys can kind of look at it. But I, I think we can define the Holy Spirit as the personal and yet invisible presence of God that animates all living things, that animates all things. Personal yet invisible presence of God that animates all things. And we see throughout the scriptures that the Holy Spirit has all sort of sorts of different activities uh, that it sort of accomplishes as this part of God, the Father, and, and the Son. And some of those are that the Spirit is there in the beginning. When, when we see the world created, Spirit is present there. We see that it's the Spirit that sort of breathes this breath of God into humanity. Uh, we see that it's the Spirit of God that allows us to experience God's love, that sort of awakens us to this fact that there's a God in, of the universe that loves us intimately, cares for us. Um, we see that in the New Testament, it's the Spirit of God that helps us align our lives with kingdom values, things like love and peace and joy and gentleness. So there's all kinds of things that the Spirit does, and I'm sure um, that Jared will spend some time in this series talking about those things with you. Hopefully I didn't just now corner you into what it is that you need to say. Um, but for our purposes this morning, what, I, what I'd love to do, kind of unpack with you, is how it is that the Holy Spirit is able to give us wisdom and understanding and discernment. We're going to be talking a lot about this word discernment this morning, beyond, our, beyond ourselves, beyond what we could discern or have wisdom about in our own strength, our own capacity. And it's my hope that no matter where you are in life right now, that this is helpful to you, because I, I think it will be. Because I think all of us are faced with hundreds of decisions every day. And some of those are, are simple and easy ones, like what should I wear? Ladies, maybe that's not always actually as easy as, as others are, or what we should eat. So there's all these little decisions. But then we're also faced with these really big life decisions as well. Things like what job should I get? Or should I change jobs? Or who should I marry? Or who should I be in friendship with? And, and 
what should I do with my kids? How do I parent my kids? And what school do I, do I send my kids to? And all of these questions that feel big. And the truth is that, that often as followers of Jesus, we, we have this desire to make these decisions in God. We want his wisdom. We want to operate our lives within his will. I want to read you a quote from Ruth Haley Barton. She's one of my favorites, and she talks a lot about discernment. So a lot of what we're talking about this morning kind of comes uh, from, from some of her work. But this is what she says, and this should come up for you. When faced with life's choices, we become aware of another facet of the soul's deep longing. We want to know that we are making our choices in God, that we are living our life according to the purposes for which God brought us to this particular time and place. And I'm guessing because you're here this morning, you've taken time out of your life to come here, that you would probably agree with this statement that there's this longing in you to make these big decisions in God. And, and the good news, the really good news that, that we get from the scripture is that we can do this because of the Holy Spirit. And so if you would, will you turn with me? I want you to go to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And again, the scripture should come up on the screen so you can follow along there. I'm going to read to you uh, verses 11 and 13 and then pick up again in, in verses 15 and 16. So let's, let's just read this together. This is the good news that we can have discernment. It says, We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught to us by the spirit. Um, let me back up a little bit, actually. Let me go back. Um, this is this, verse 11. For who among us knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within, it, within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has given to us. So what Paul's trying to communicate here in this wordy fashion is that the spirit of God knows the thoughts of God, just like our spirit knows our thoughts. And we're told here that we have that spirit of God within us. So there's a way to connect to God's thoughts because it, the spirit dwells within us. Verse 15, a spiritual man or woman makes judgments about all things, but he or she himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Paul's saying, listen, we all make judgments. And we have the capacity to not just make judgments in our own human understanding and wisdom, but in God's because we have the mind of Christ. That's good news, right? So we know that the Spirit allows us to be in alignment with God's will and purposes for our lives. That's one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to spend some time this morning talking about discernment and how we have this, how we experience this, how we align ourselves with with God in these big life decisions that we're facing. And, and before we kind of dive in, I'm, we're going to spend some time unpacking five different sort of movements or dynamics in spiritual discernment. And hopefully these will be helpful to you as you leave here this morning, as you discern um, these sort of bigger life choices that you're working through. But before we do that, I, wanna, I just want to give you this. I think this is one, the thing that we need to know before we go any further. And it's this, that discernment is an art and not a mathematical equation. Discernment is an art and not a mathematical equation. It's going to be personal and unique to you because you are all unique and the way that God communicates to you is going to be unique. So there isn't just this one plus one equals two sort of thing. However, I do believe that there are movements and that if we kind of, kind of work with these movements and these different techniques that the Holy Spirit will meet us there and be able to guide us. And the, the best way that I could think to sort of help us wrap our brains around this is to talk for a second about Bob Ross. Um, 
Yeah, there he is. Yeah. Are we familiar with Bob Ross? Yes. Okay. If you're not and you're having a stressful day, just go home, Google him, and watch an episode. You'll feel so good. You will feel so good. <laughs> He's got this incredible calming presence about him. And he had a show for many, many years. It's off air now. And what he would do in the show is he would paint, right? He would create these sort of masterpieces, and you could paint along with him. So at the beginning of the show, what he would tell you was what paints you were going to need. And there were kind of numbers, and he'd tell you, okay, you need this color of yellow. It's, you know, 1302, so you can get the right one. And then he had these paintbrushes, and he would say, okay, you need this brush and this brush for this type of work. And then he would walk you through how to create something like this. Now... A couple summers ago, we were desperate to keep our kids entertained of four kids, and my husband had this really, really great idea um, that we should paint Bob Ross paintings as a family. And my youngest was four. So um, you can guess how that went. It didn't go uh, great. He paints with oil paints. Yeah. So anyway, we tried. We really did try. We got all the right paints. We got all the right brushes. And we kept, we had it up on the, the TV screen. And we had it, all of our canvases laid out. And we'd pause it and then do what he told us to do. And pause it and do what he told us to do. Um, did they look like his painting? No. No. They really, they really didn't. Um, and was there oil paint on my table? Yes. Yes, there was. Um, but it, it was a good experience. But I tell you that because I think that this discernment process, this, spot, this process of spiritual discernment, is a little bit similar because there are certain movements, certain techniques that we can learn. And then just as Bob Ross sort of guides us through uh, these, these techniques and brings us to the space where we've created something beautiful, I think that the Holy Spirit guides us through as we work with these movements and techniques and then we, we ultimately arrive at something beautiful, which is the life that's aligned with God's will and purposes for us, which is good. So let's, let's talk about some of these movements um, that, that hopefully, again, will be helpful to you. And in order to do that, I, I would love for you to turn to Acts chapter 15. And we're going to kind of use Acts 15 as a guide as we look at these different movements. And Acts is a great book for us to look at with discernment because this part sort of in the biblical story is where Jesus has gone to be with the Father and he's left his disciples to try and sort of figure out how to spread the word about who, who Jesus is to the ends of the earth. And of course, they need wisdom and discernment in how it is that they're going to accomplish this task, which is daunting. They're traveling all throughout different places, different cultures, different belief systems, and trying to talk about Jesus. This is a challenging sort of messy task, and they know, they know that they need help from God, and it's the Spirit that gives it to them. So it's a great place to kind of look at um, discernment. So I want to read for you uh, Acts 15. Again, it should come up on the screen. You can follow along. We're going to just look at the first six verses uh, to here it says, some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Bartimus into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Bartimus were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted, and this news made all the brothers very glad. 
When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. And the apostles and the elders met to consider this question. So here, here we find them much like ourselves, right? There's this big decision. They, they need wisdom and discernment beyond what they have in their own strength and capacity to figure out what it is that they're supposed to do with these new converts who are not Jewish, and yet what do they do with this law and this rule about circumcision? So it's an important question in the life of the church. And what they're going to do here is they're going to enter into this process where they sort of gather information. In a sense, they do this sort of pros and cons of what, what should we do? Why are some reasons that we should make them follow this law? What are some reasons we shouldn't? But I think before we enter into that step of discernment, which is where most of us want to start when we're trying to discern things in our own life and make choices, right? What should I do? Pros and cons. Let me look at the list. Let me weigh the information. I think before that, there are a couple really, really important movements or techniques or steps that really set us up for this, for this part. And so I want to give those to you. So the first movement, I said there were five. First movement in spiritual discernment is called the prayer of indifference. Prayer of indifference. And this is a really, really important one because I think uh, for a lot of us, when we're wrestling with what does God want, we, we, we question, how do I know that what I'm discerning is actually what God wants and not just what I want, right? We ask this question, how do I know that I have discerned God's will for my life and it's not just a way to justify my own desires? Are you with me? Do you wrestle with that? Do you question that when you're trying to discern God's voice? Yes? Okay. And so, I, I mean, I was thinking back, Jared and I, Marcy, and I, uh, some others in the, in the room, we went to a Christian high school in junior high. And I was remembering this week that a lot of times when there were relationships going on and one party wanted to break it off, that they would say, I think God told me that we're not supposed to be together anymore. <laughs> and it just seemed like a really convenient way to kind of justify what it is that we or they wanted. Was it really God talking? It's questionable. I don't know, right? So there's that line there, and how do we figure out what does God want? And what, am I, what is it just that I want that I can just say, well, God told me so? It's, it's a really great line. So the, the prayer for indifference helps us in this part of the process. And really what it is, is that we become indifferent to anything but God's will. We want nothing but what God wants for us. And we let go to any attachment that we might have to our own opinion or to our own preference. And so we don't see these words, prayer of indifference, in scripture just like that, but we do see prayers of indifference or for indifference. And so the first one I want to take you to, um, we find in Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 38, and this is a prayer that Mary, the mother of Jesus, prays. She's just received this news that she's supposed to carry God's son. And it's a pretty daunting task. And it's going to involve some tension for her because she has to tell her fiancé that she's pregnant and it's not his and that's weird. And her family might disown her. So there's a lot on the line. And yet, I want you to see where she ends up here. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, she says. May it be to me as you have said. It be to me as you have said. In other words, I'm holding this like this. Yes, God, whatever you want. Whatever you want. And then we see this again in the life of Jesus very clearly. 
Jesus prays right before he's taken to be crucified, and he's about to go through this this traumatic endeavor, and he doesn't really want to do it. He has a preference to not actually have to go through with it. And so in in chapter 14 of Mark, this is going to be verse 36, he says this, Abba, Father, in prayer, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. I don't want to do this. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. This is the prayer of indifference. This is coming to a space where we come before God and say, yeah, I have an opinion, and I want you to hear this. It's okay to have an opinion. It's okay to have a preference. That's okay. But when that preference or opinion takes precedence over what God wants, then we're probably not going to discern his voice very clearly. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Prayer of indifference. So it's a really important stuff. And you have to be in this movement with the Holy Spirit where you, get, you say, Holy Spirit, will you show me where I'm clinging to something that's not what you want for this? And then we listen. So then the second step is, is fairly simple. Once we come to that place of indifference, we can just pray the prayer that James teaches us in James chapter 1, verse 5, where he says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So we just go to God in the space of indifference and say, okay, God, I need wisdom. I need you to help me here. And we trust and we claim this promise that is in his scriptures, the holy scriptures of, yes, he's going to give it to you if you ask for it. And so we pray for wisdom. And then we enter into the third step. So there's prayer for indifference, there's prayer of wisdom, and then the third step is where we find the apostles and the disciples here in the text in Acts 15, and that's gathering information and doing sort of this pros and cons, sort of this this reasoning part of it. So let's go kind of back to the text, and we're going to look at this real quick. So they've gathered. They have this question. They have clarity around what question it is that they're coming in with. Pick up here in verse 7. It says, After much discussion, Peter got up, and he addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. So Peter has this dream. And in his dream, God says, you have to bring the good news to the Gentiles. And so Peter is obedient. He says this, verse 8, God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them, the Gentiles, by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? Now, uh, no, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. So Peter comes forward, right? He's like, listen, listen, guys. I've seen that this, the heart and mind of Christ is for the Gentiles, and we have to pay attention to this. So I think a really great, great question for us, as we wrestle and we discern, we deal with difficult things, is to ask this question. Is this choice consistent with what I know about the mind and heart of Christ? Is this choice consistent with what I know of the heart and mind of Christ? So as you're wrestling, ask that question. Let's keep going. So then after kind of Peter talks, we see this, verse 12, the whole assembly became silent. The whole assembly became silent. And this is important because silence is a really important posture and discernment. We cannot hear unless we're quiet, right? It's just simple. And so we have to be quiet, as they are. So then they listen to Paul and to Barnabas, who start telling them about the miraculous signs and wonders that God has done among the Gentiles through them. So Paul and Barnabas say, we've been traveling all around, talking about who Jesus is, and we have seen God show up miraculously in and through the lives of these Gentiles. 
This is important as we gather information, as we make this decision. And so again, for us, as we wrestle, here's a question I want to give you that might help you, I hope, today, as some of you are trying to discern things. Where have I observed God at work in my life recently? And does this choice allow me to join him more fully in that work? Where have I observed God's at work in my life recently? And does this choice allow me to join him more fully in that work? Right? Wrestle with that question. And finally, so Paul and Barnabas get done. This is when they finish. James spoke up. Brothers, listen to me. Simon, who is Peter, has described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this. As it is written, after this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen seat. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore that the remnant of men may seek the Lord and listen to this and all the Gentiles who bear my name. So what, what is Peter doing? Well, Peter is sitting there and listening to all that's happening. He's got the Holy Scriptures in front of him, and he's saying, look, 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 look at this. Look at this. This was something that was prophesied ago hundreds and thousands of years ago, that God was not just for the Jews, that the Jews weren't just his chosen people, that it was the Gentiles too. This is relevant to our conversation. And so for us, again, as we wrestle with, how do we discern? How do we know that we're making the right choice? Well, it's important to consult Scripture. Is there a particular scripture that God is bringing me to that's important in this choice? Is there a particular scripture that God is bringing me to that's relevant to this choice? Sorry, typos. Those of you type A people are like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Sorry about that. So I want to share this story with you because I think this will help us. Sometimes we read about these stories and it's like, oh, that seems so clear to them, but for me it feels hard and difficult. Does God still work this way? I think he does. So one of the joys of my weeks is I get to to go down. I volunteer just for an hour a week at Hope Women's Center. This is a center in downtown Phoenix. There's actually many locations. And the centers exist to provide care for, for vulnerable women and teens. They provide holistic, emotional, physical, spiritual care for women. And so you can volunteer down there. And one of the things I get to do is I teach a, a Bible class to these women. And they come to class. And when they come to class, they get points. So they're learning about God and other things that are really relevant for them. Uh, and then those points allow them to get their bills taken care of or for them to purchase items from the store. It's a beautiful ministry. And I absolutely adore being there every week. And so a couple weeks ago, I was down there and I was teaching. And I'm telling you, I always learn more from them than I'm pretty sure they ever learn from me. And so this was a, a Wednesday. And I was talking to this woman. And she was, she was recalling a time in her life where she was faced with a really difficult decision one that she didn't know how to make on her own. And she said to me, I was in this abusive relationship. My husband at the time was physically and emotionally abusive towards myself and my kids. And it was at a point where it was just awful. And I, I, I didn't know what to do. She was confused because he was the one that was providing for them. And she knew if she left, it would get very complicated for her and her family. So she said, I just needed God to help me. So she said, I called my sister and I said, I just don't know what to do. Should I stay? Should I go? I'm not sure what's best for my family. She said, her sister said to her, do you have a Bible? She said, well, yeah, but I don't even really know how to read it. She said, that's okay. Just find your Bible and, and open it up. And she said, read, read it until something sticks out to you or makes sense to you. And, and then see, see what happens. See if it applies to your circumstance. And so the woman says, I really didn't know what I was doing, but I did just that. I opened the Bible and I started to read. She says, I don't re- remember now what the 
works was. But what it said, what it said there was you, you have the opportunity today to choose life or death. She said, I knew in that moment that God was talking to me. I knew it. And I knew in my heart, in my spirit, that if I stayed in this relationship, it would mean death. So she called her sister and said, oh my gosh, God just talked to me. I know it. And she ended up leaving the situation. So God speaks to us through the scriptures. He's still doing that. And, and this is a way of when we're in this process of discernment to ask this question of what particular scripture is coming to me and then pay attention to that because the Holy Spirit speaks through that. So we have these steps. Um, again, we have the prayer for indifference. We have the prayer for wisdom. And then we have this space where we're just gathering information. We're, we're trying to gather it without judgment and, and doing that in God's presence and asking that he would show us what the right move is. And then four is, is simple, but it's actually, I found very helpful in my own life. So hopefully this is helpful to you. And that's that when you feel like you have a direction that you're being led in, to actually make that decision or choice um, or move in that way in your, in your spirit. So don't actually make the choice and execute it in an external sense, but make that decision internally, whatever it might be. And then take a couple days, having sort of made and settled on that decision in yourself, and see how you feel. And so if, you, if you've moved in that direction internally and settled on something and you begin to feel peace, you begin to feel closeness to God and to others, you begin to feel a sense of joy or rightness, then you know you're moving in the right direction. Scriptures tell us to pay attention to what's going on inside of us, that, God, that Jesus wants to give us life and life abundant. So when we make a decision and we feel abundance of life, that's the Spirit confirming that decision. Now, on the contrary, if you make that decision, again, not externally, just in an internal sense, and you feel uh, some sense of chaos or disorder, you feel uncomfortable in your spirit, then that potentially isn't the right move to take, and you've not actually made any decision externally, and so you can pull back. Are you with me? So there's this walking around in the decision. And then finally, we just have to do it, right? So we, at some point, just have to say, okay, I trust that the Spirit's been involved in this. I've been practicing these different movements, and I sense this is the right thing, and then we're just obedient. So we just do it, right? We're obedient. Because at some point, obedience is important. We can't just say we might or should, but we actually have to do it. And so that's kind of the five the five movements for you. And, and again, hopefully these are, are practically helpful to you today as we all try and figure out what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to us and how to govern our lives in, in his purposes and will for us. So what I'd love to do um, as we close is I'd love to just read this prayer for you. It's from this book, Sacred Rhythms. This is where a lot of the, the content for today came from. So if you want to dive deeper, this is a great book for you, Sacred Rhythms, Ruth Haley Barton. But I want to read to you this prayer. And so I'm going to ask that you kind of bow your head and close your eyes. And Tim and this team will kind of come back up here and lead us in just a minute. This is a prayer um, written by Thomas Merton. And so as you listen to it, if you agree with it, just kind of agree with it in your spirit. It says this, My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have that desire in everything I am doing. 
I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire, and I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. So um, we're going to close in a song, and as you often do, we're going to close with communion. And so I want to invite you to, to come to the table and to take the elements as we take these. Um, I know here at Desert City you practice open communion, so if you're a follower of Jesus, you're welcome to come to the table and take the elements. But as we do this, what we're doing is we're remembering the work of Christ. We're remembering his body that was broken, his blood that was poured out. But today, in um, sort of reflection of what it is that we've been talking about, I invite you, as you come to the table, to think about this moment that Jesus had, this prayer that he prayed in the garden, where he came to this place of indifference, where he said, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through this. I don't want my blood poured out, my body broken, but not what I want, what you want. And so maybe even as we come to the table today, we can take this a choice or decision that we're facing and just say, God, I want to come to you. I want to come to the table and I want to pray that same prayer that Jesus prayed. Not what I want, but what you want. Would you pray with me and then we'll come to the table. And Jesus, thanks for gathering us in this space for those that are here, for those that aren't, that are traveling and with family. And God, we thank you um, that you speak to us. We thank you that you have given us your spirit which allows us to, to understand your heart and your thoughts, that we have your mind, and your word tells us that. And so just pray for us as we try to live our lives in alignment with you, that you would make yourself very loud, your voice very loud to us. And even now as we come to the table, God, we say to you about whatever decision that we're working through in, in our current moment, whether it's big or, or small, God, not what I want, but what you want. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. You can come to the table.